Chapter Thirty Three, Part B of the Monastery by Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirty Three, Part B. Yet how to find them out, I know not. So please you, said Christie of the Clint Hill, I am willing to take the chase and bring them back by fair means or foul. For though you have always looked as black as night at me, whenever we have foregathered, yet I have not forgotten that had it not been for you, my neck would have kenned the weight of my four quarters. If any man can track the tread of them, I will say in the face of both Merce and Teviotdale, and take the forest to boot, I am that man. But first I have matters to treat of on my master's score, if you will permit me to ride down the glen with you. Nay, but my friend, said the sub-prior, thou shouldst remember I have but slender cause to trust thee for a companion through a place so solitary. Tush, tush, said the jackman. Fear me not. I had the worst too surely to begin that sport again. Besides, have I not said a dozen of times I owe you a life? And when I owe a man either a good turn or a bad, I never fail to pay it sooner or later. Moreover, beshrew me if I dare to go alone down the glen, or even with my troopers, who are, every loon of them, as much devil's bairns as myself. Whereas, if your reverence, since that is the word, take beads and psalter, and I come along with jack and spear, you will make the devils take the air, and I will make all human enemies take the earth. Edward here entered, and told his reverence that his horse was prepared. At this instant his eye caught his mother's, and the resolution which he had so strongly formed was staggered when he recollected the necessity of bidding her farewell. The sub-prior saw his embarrassment, and came to his relief. "'Dame,' said he, "'I forgot to mention that your son Edward goes with me to St. Mary's, and will not return for two or three days.' "'You be wishing to help him to recover his brother? May the saints reward your kindness.' The sub-prior returned the benediction, which in this instance he had not very well deserved, and he and Edward set forth on their route. They were presently followed by Christie, who came up with his followers at such a speedy pace, as intimated sufficiently that his wish to obtain spiritual convoy through the glen was extremely sincere. He had, however, other matters to stimulate his speed, for he was desirous to communicate to the sub-prior a message from his master Julian, connected with the delivery of the prisoner Warden, and having requested the sub-prior to ride with him a few yards before Edward, and the troopers of his own party, he thus addressed him, sometimes interrupting his discourse in a manner testifying that his fear of supernatural beings was not altogether lulled to rest by his confidence in the sanctity of his fellow-traveller. "'My master,' said the rider, "'deemed he had sent you an acceptable gift in that old heretic preacher, but it seems, from the slight care you have taken of him, that you make small account of the boon.' "'Nay,' said the sub-prior, "'do not thus judge of it. The community must account highly of the service, and will reward it to thy master in goodly fashion. But this man and I are old friends, and I trust to bring him back from the paths of perdition.' "'Nay,' said the moss-trooper, "'when I saw you shake hands at the beginning I counted that you would fight it all out in love and honour, and that there would be no extreme dealings betwixt ye. However, it is all one to my master, St. Mary.' What call you yon, Sir Monk? The branch of a willow streaming across the path betwixt us and the sky. Beshrew me, said Christie, if it looked not like a man's hand holding a sword. 
but touching my master, he, like a prudent man, hath kept himself aloof in these broken times, until he could see with precision what footing he was to stand upon. Right tempting offers he hath had from the lords of congregation, whom you call heretics, and at one time he was minded to be plain with you to have taken their way, for he was assured that the Lord James, footnote, Lord James Stuart, afterwards the Regent Murray, and footnote, was coming this road at the head of a round body of cavalry, and accordingly Lord James did so far reckon upon him, that he sent this man Warden, or whatsoever be his name, to my master's protection as an assured friend, and moreover, with tidings that he himself was marching hitherward at the head of a strong body of horse. "'Now our lady forfend,' said the sub-prior. "'Amen,' answered Christie, in some trepidation. "'Did your reverence see aught?' "'Nothing whatever,' replied the monk. "'It was thy tale which wrested me from that exclamation.' "'And it was some cause,' replied he of the Clinthill, "'for if Lord James should come hither, your halidome would smoke for it. But be of good cheer. That expedition is ended before it was begun. The Baron of Avenel had sure news that Lord James has been fain to march westward with his merry men, to protect Lord Semple against Cassillis and the Kennedys. By my faith it will cost him a brush, for wot ye what they say of that name, twixt Wigton and the town of Ayr, Port Patrick and the Cruives of Cree, no man need think for to bide there, unless he court St. Kennedy. Then said the sub-prior, the Lord James's purpose of coming southwards being broken, cost this person, Henry Warden, a cold reception at Avenel Castle. It would not have been altogether so rough a one, said the moss-trooper, for my master was in heavy thought what to do in these unsettled times, and would scarce have hazarded misusing a man sent to him by so terrible a leader as the Lord James. But to speak the truth, some busy devil tempted the old man to meddle with my master's Christian liberty of handfasting with Catherine of Newport. So that broke the wand of peace between them, and now ye may have my master, and all the force he can make, at your devotion, for Lord James never forgave wrong done to him. And if he come by the upper hand, he will have Julian's head, if there were never another of the name, as it is like there is not excepting the bit slip of a lassie yonder. And now I have told you more of my master's affairs than he would thank me for. But you have done me a frank turn once, and I may need one at your hands again. Thy frankness, said the sub-prior, shall surely advantage thee, for much it concerns the church in these broken times to know the purposes and motives of those around us. But what is it that thy master expects from us in reward of good service? for I esteem him one of those who are not willing to work without their hire. Nay, that I can tell you flatly, for Lord James had promised him, in case he would be of his faction in these parts, an easy tack of the tain sheaves of his own barony of Avenel, together with the lands of Cranberry Moor, which lie intersected with his own, and he will look for no less at your hand. But there is old Gilbert of Cranberry Moor, said the sub-prior. What are we to make of him? The heretic Lord James may take on him to dispone upon the goods and lands of the Halidome at his pleasure, because doubtless but for the protection of God and the baronage which yet remain faithful to their creed, he may despoil us of them by force. But while they are the property of the community, we may not take steadings from ancient and faithful vassals, 
to gratify the covetousness of those who serve God only from the lucre of gain. By the mast, said Christie, it is well talking, Sir Priest. But when you consider that Gilbert has but two half-starved cowardly peasants to follow him, and only an old jaded aver to ride upon, fitter for the plough than for manly service, and that the Baron of Avenel never rides with fewer than ten jackmen at his back, and oftener with fifty, Bowden in all that affairs to war, as if they were to do battle for a kingdom, and mounted on nags that nicker at the clash of the sword as if it were the clank of the lid of a corn-chest. I say, when ye have computed all this, ye may guess what course will best serve your monastery. Friend, said the monk, I would willingly purchase thy master's assistance on his own terms, since times leave us no better means of defence against sacrilegious spoliation of heresy. But to take from a poor man his patrimony, for that matter, said the rider, his seat would scarce be a soft one, if my master thought that Gilbert's interest stood betwixt him and what he wishes. The Halidome has land enough, and Gilbert may be quartered elsewhere. We will consider the possibility of so disposing the matter, said the monk, and will expect in consequence your master's most active assistance, with all the followers he can make, to join in the defence of the Halidome against any force by which it may be threatened. A man's hand and a mailed glove on that, said the jackman. They, footnote, as some atonement for their laxity of morals on most occasions, the borderers were severe observers of the faith which they had pledged, even to an enemy. If any person broke his word so plighted, the individual to whom faith had not been observed, used to bring to the next border-meeting a glove hung on the point of a spear, and proclaimed to Scots and English the name of the defaulter. This was accounted so great a disgrace to all connected with him, that his own clansmen sometimes destroyed him, to escape the infamy he had brought on them. Constable, a spy engaged by Sir Ralph Sadler, talks of two border thieves whom he used as his guides, that they would not care to steal, and yet that they would not betray any man that trusts in them, for all the gold in Scotland or France. They are my guides and outlaws. If they would betray me, they might get their pardons, and cause me to be hanged. But I have tried them ere this. Sadler's Letters During the Northern Insurrection End footnote. Call us marauders, thieves, and what not. But the side we take we hold by, and I will be blithe when my baron comes to a point which side he will take, for the castle is a kind of hell, Our Lady forgive me for naming such a word in this place, while he is in his mood, studying how he may best advantage himself. And now, heaven be praised, we are in the open valley, and I may swear a round oath, should aught happen to provoke it. My friend, said the sub-prior, thou hast little merit in abstaining from oaths or blasphemy, if it be only out of fear of evil spirits. Nay, I am not quite a church vassal yet, said the jackman, and if you link the curb too tight on a young horse, I promise you he will rear. Why, it is much for me to forbear old customs on any account whatever. The night being fine, they forded the river at the spot where the sacristan met with his unhappy encounter with the spirit. As soon as they arrived at the gate of the monastery, the porter, in waiting eagerly, exclaimed, Reverend Father, 
the Lord Abbot is most anxious for your presence. Let these strangers be carried to the great hall, said the sub-prior, and be treated with the best by the cellarer, reminding them, however, of that modesty and decency of conduct which becometh guests in a house like this. But the Lord Abbot demands you instantly, my venerable brother, said Father Philip, arriving in great haste. I have not seen him more discouraged or desolate of counsel since the field of Pinky Clue was stricken. I come, my good brother, I come, said Father Eustace. I pray thee, good brother, let this youth Edward Glendinning be conveyed to the chamber of the novices, and placed under their instructor. God hath touched his heart, and he proposeth laying aside the vanities of the world to become a brother of our holy order, which, if his good parts be matched with fitting docility and humility, he may one day live to adorn. My very venerable brother, exclaimed old Father Nicholas, who came hobbling with a third summons to the sub-prior, I pray thee to hasten to our worshipful Lord Abbot. The holy patroness be with us. Never saw I Abbot of the house of St. Mary's in such consternation. And yet I remember me well when Father Ingelram had the news of Flodden Field. I come, I come, venerable brother, said Father Eustace, and having repeatedly ejaculated, I come, he at last went to the abbot in good earnest. End of chapter 33 Part B